0: Good evening, fellow Gooners, and welcome to another episode of Canon Talk. I'm your host, Morning, and my co-host, as usual, Aiden.
1: How's it, guys? Finally good to have the Premier League back. What we've been waiting for the past few months for, you know, keeping the podcast going, keeping the the energy going, and hoping that, you know, Arsenal would come back with a bang for us and surprise us.
0: Yes, as you said, back to action. But I think before <laughs> everything even got underway, the minute the the lineup got, uh, you know, put out on by Arsenal on Twitter. Then I think the the first sort of <laughs> light Arsenal meltdown started because immediately the lineup already looked, you know, not what we say were expecting. If you think of what we've been seeing in in you know those two friendly games as well as what we've seen in also with the training uh, videos that Arsenal have on YouTube. But I mean, for me personally, it was somewhat confusing. I don't know what your take was on.
1: You know, I, I looked at the lineup and I was like, you know, why wh- what type of game plan are we going for? Because it, it seemed like at one stage there was a four four two which um you know seemed a bit confusing, like thinking that you would decide to win the midfield battle. But and 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 going with with, with two attackers yeah. and for, for for me it just didn't seem like, you know, it was the it was the best formation to go with, but that being said it seemed to have worked a treat for you know the first few minutes I know man city you know were coming at us but Arsenal in the beginning seemed to have come out of it fresh out of the blocks
0: yeah because I mean they, uh, we actually looked like we had controlled or contained the game or, you know almost like I had them uh, you know almost like di- dictated like our sort of pace of, of play in it and then almost like it was like against the run of play with jacques because i first thought he got tripped and then from the different angle, then i first thought he got he somehow collided with Kundozi and that's what caused him. but then when they showed from another like probably third or fourth angle did you guys see his ankle buckle and then when he probably slipped on the slick pitch and i mean it looked like quite a bad um twist and i mean when he went down i mean you could see the way he was like eating the turf also you knew it was not you know good and then almost like it was around about the 15th minute, that is when Arsenal sort kind of losing, already also having to make the change with then having to come on. But then, it's like 15 minutes onwards, it was like, you started seeing that, that guilely side of Man City starting to come out with, you know, really knocking the ball about, starting to find those little gaps. Of course, okay, we were nullifying them to a degree, but then it's like bad went to worse when... Pablo Marin got injured
1: when he pulled up with, with a, a pulled calf muscle. Yeah, and it just seemed like, at that point, I'm not saying Arsenal were, were setting the world at light, but it seemed that there was a a certain game plan that was there, like we spoke about in last week's podcast of how we think that Arsenal should had to weather the storm, you know, try to defend, and Marie was doing quite well. There was a Uh, he he doesn't seem scared. He gets involved, like that foul with Raheem Sterling, you know, he committed a foul, but he went in, but it was just, okay, I know there's a bit dangerous spot outside the box, but, you know, it didn't allow Sterling to, maybe get the better of him and cause more danger. It was a clever foul to create. Mm.
0: Yeah, so, of course, for me, that was also the moment, which was almost like a turning point for me, because the minute David Luiz came on, that sort of nerve's you know, it was like uh, heightened for me because when I think of what Arteta said before kickoff, I don't know if you've seen it, but when he was asked, like, why is David Luiz not starting? And he just said something down the lines of, from what he saw the past two weeks, he didn't feel that this was a sort of game for for David Luiz. And now it's like you're going from that sort of comment and then you see uh, Leo, your like your main centre-back on the evening, he gets injured. And now David Luiz has to
1: step up. Yeah, and, and for me, Marie and um, Lou, um and Mustafi did did well together. I mean, you know, they they're not obviously the most rock solid partnership out there. We haven't seen them for a few minutes, but they seem to have been manning the defense well.
0: But you know with that game going on where we sitting, now started, you know, laying the dominance for me the majority of the team were anonymous because look Willock faded also halfway in that, that first half because he went from you know running and, and you know getting into little spaces throughout the game throughout the first part of the game to to somebody that was just almost like a spectator and then he had Obama Young who of course barely contributed especially in our first half because he was almost like being starved of the ball then of course where we did see child, uh, Man City were somewhat vulnerable was every time we played the root one ball. But uh, as, as quick as Nketiah is, he does not have that physical strength to, uh, you know, to really hustle and bustle these uh, centre-backs because I really thought Laporte and um, Garcia, really that young star of Man City, I really thought they could have been you know got at because I was expecting every time, you could see they were panicking that, that long ball came over, but you could see... Ketia just does not have that sort of, say, it strength that you need to burst through the
1: middle. I mean, what, what is the reason for them not starting Lacazette and Nketiah over Lacazette, or even Martinelli for that matter? I mean, I would have given Martinelli a chance with a Aubameyang. He would have two speed demons up front if you wanted that, or if you wanted a more kind of technical pace partnership, that's where Lacazette would have come in. But I think I got surprised when Ketia started, actually.
0: And then, of course, you know, with, with myself thinking, you know, just see it at halftime, <laughs> managed to stay 0 In comes a ball. <laughs> like the brainer. And I, honestly, I, I still don't know. Even today, 24, almost like 24 hours later, I'm still trying to fathom what went through his head because he tries to almost like block the ball and then turn his head towards the ball. And, of course, the, the ball with that wet spin on the wet pitch, you know, kind of almost like leg breaks past his body. And then the ball is in Sterling's stride, and I mean that, I mean you know when he has a, a chance, even point blank, he's gonna blast it in the net. And I mean he gave Leno no chance. One I more. think
1: I, I could have been critical, but I think Leno maybe could have come out because Sterling still took his opportunity to line himself up and then whacked it in. But you know I'm not I'm not saying he could have saved it, but I mean if he had to, just maybe mm. be off his liner, but quick could have stopped it. But, you know, before that, it could have been a few goals to the good of for City. I think Leno was pulling off some breathtaking saves in the even in the first half.
0: And then, of course, I thought now, OK, we now two subs on in the first half. half. time, we could see some sort of change being made, <laughs> you know, just to get some sort of like other approach in the game. Because, look, it was already now with being 1-0 done, it's going to come, uh, come down to a game where we're going to have to really chase and press. And then, I mean, the more you're thinking down that line of, okay, now this is now a new game plan, new approach for the second half. And then David Luiz does his infamous backs and penalties <laughs> and red card.
1: I think Atiz is third or fourth penalty for the season. I recall one against um, Liverpool. I recall one against Chelsea, where he also got sent off. I recall one against Watford. And now this one. So, it's four penalties and he's like third or second red card or third red card probably so yeah um, I know we discussed him last week but I do really think now you know we we Chelsea got the better end of the deal with with Arsenal this one I mean I thought you'd add some leadership to the team some some sort of things in the dressing room as well but I mean he's the one that's making all these horrific blunders
0: yeah and I mean Kevin Brennan, of course, steps up and dispatches the penalty. to cool 0 City.
1: And at that point, you think game over. You know, I don't know how you felt, but mm-hmm. I just couldn't see us getting back into the game. I mean, we struggled to, to do anything in the um, when we had 11 men. I mean, 10 against 11 versus Man City and 2-0 down. I'm sure there's no way coming back.
0: So, Atiyan made three changes. Uh... He brought on uh, Ainsley with Niles, Lacazette, and Nelson on for Quendozi, Nketiah and Wolock. Um 82nd minute, of course, Edison then takes out Eric Garcia. And I mean, I wish that Young's also a speed recovery because that was one hell of a connection to the goalkeeper. Because, I, I mean, it was almost like a, a blackout moment for Edison because, I mean, the way he just went through player, ball, and everything.
1: Yeah, it was quite a hectic knock, and it you know it took a took a hefty chunk out of the game. And you just hope a, a speedy recovery for him. I mean, some like for the people in my household there's not all regular football watchers. Even were in shock when that happened. So it was quite a, a big knock on the youngster.
0: And of course, with with Sadio, you know, of course, made the changes, and they were still trying to, you know, uh, fix him up or see that. Like, because I think he was unconscious for quite a while as well. But then, of course, Falfoden came on in that time and, and Sergio Aguero and them. But for me, by then, I still thought to myself, I mean, uh, okay, I know you said you had kind of <laughs> uh, like that no, it was over for you. But, you know, I had like this sort of delusional uh, of hope because I thought to myself, okay, it's 10 v 10, it's 11 minutes to go on the clock, we're still a chance. And then, I mean, <laughs> It was almost like watching ten v ten, but it was like so same old, same old. Because almost like with clinical precision, they dissected our midfield, cut up our defense, and then bang, bang, goal.
1: Yeah, you know, that 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 final goal of this was really um, shocking. Like not shocking, yeah. but you can see Arsenal's <laughs> legs cut But they were like two players against like five Arsenal defenders, and they just made a quick one-two goal.
0: And I mean, for me when, the, when the, start, the the stats came out, it really reminded me of Emery-like stats, because what was it, 18 shots on, on target for, for City, zero for Arsenal, and then in total it was, what was it, 19 to 2 or 3, did you mention? Oh, uh, 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 shots uh, In that region of the goal, not uh, on target.
1: Oh, uh, No, it was very little, actually. Let me see if I can just have a look at the... It's actually, yeah, 18-3. <laughs> Shots on target, 12 versus 0. Position 67 versus 33. Yeah, we were we were leading in the red cards department, though. And offsides. I mean, that counts.
0: I mean, you look at Edison. <laughs> his gloves can be packed and sealed. And <laughs> it's look brand new. Not even a, a nickel glitch on the glove. But, I mean, back to the tactics of this game. I think, like, of course, our personal opinions, but... I still think we we kind of lost our way in midfield because you you keep, or we kept it basic in the beginning, but then it's like when City started plugging up all those little holes that we were finding you know, early on in the game, then it's like we had no clue because there were, I don't know how many times I've, I saw Kieran Tierney with a ball or Bellerin with a ball, and they would run towards the halfway line, and all of a sudden City started plugging up those little gaps and, and, and setting these little uh, pressing traps for them. And then you'll see they stop, they turn around, and then they go back to the keeper. And then, of course, that move is over and done with because City have already found all, their, you know, all the pockets of space. Now, shut that, that off for us. And then, of course, you see the ball in the middle of the park. Guendouzi, again, also running with the ball. You think, OK, he's going to now drift through further, carry that ball. And then, of course, you see his options start to close up, and then you just see him stop, and it's going back. So you You don't have that little momentum and, and or that sort of play is that's going to just drive you forward because... Look, we were nullifying City for the first, as I said, 10, 15 minutes. But look, that's where the character comes in of, say, someone like Kevin De Bruyne or Marius. Or whatever. They want to go forward and sterling you and they want to go forward and they want to attack you and they want to hurt you.
1: Yeah, it's. Uh, the, we spoke about the midfield battle last weekend. I mean, you know, I think with Shaka with, with going off our field, part we also really light in the midfield when with Seba saying. And only I'm going to see in the midfield. You know, you expect a packed midfield, you don't go to the Etihad and play that much of expansive open game. Like, like I said, I mean, you know, we have Pepe, a 70 odd million player, not around to like not on the pitch. We have you know, Martinelli on the not on the pitch, rather playing Ketia. I mean, you know, like I said. Play a compact game, and try to hit City on the counter attack. But it was like we were far too open. The midfield like was losing the battle consistently, and like you said, every time City got the ball off us, it was almost like a free counter attack every time.
0: I mean, it's frustrating because you can see also like like with WWE's um, red card, you can actually see the was like the pain in in, in I think it's <laughs> Like that that plan is already out of the window because. It was already gonna be a mountain to climb you know at one nil down at 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 city, but then it it became like Mount Everest when he got sent and and he nil down
1: then. yeah that at two 0 down you just like i said I, I didn't have any hope I mean I know it's bad, but i mean i i, I just wanted we might get humiliated, and we almost no, did no. it wasn't for Leno like he the saves he was pulling the shots he was taking us like. I don't think Leno will be at Arsenal for long if things keep up the way it's going because you can see another top club, you know, maybe coming in to, to snap him up. I mean, I, mean, I, I mean, don't know what club they're looking for, keeper.
0: How can the powers that be not see that Arteta needs help getting, <laughs> altering this defense? Because it, it's like we, we've we dealt now with this where, oh, look, we've had now a manager, like post Wenger. But it's like now we almost like oh, Arteta's left with, with the scraps now and having to make do with it now until the end of the season. Because there's no way we're going to get us out of this now if we cannot get some sort of balance or whatever going in the defence.
1: But yeah, yeah, but, but let's also look at it in a positive light. You know, we, we, we said we'd take probably maximum one point in this game. So I guess, you know, the performance, like here we spoke about, the performance for us was more of a, Eye, uh, uh, so in the eye than anything else because we did expect City to, you know, probably get the three points. We weren't going to the eight yet, but what we did expect was Arsenal to actually give more than what they just, you know, just really uh, a, a subpar performance. I mean, Wolves beat them at their home ground. I mean, other teams give a better fight, but. Arsenal just seem to lose three 0 every time we play City these days. It seems to be a formality almost.
0: Yeah, and I mean, look at that. That, that one shocking set they mentioned also last night about Arsenal lost winning in away game in January 2015 in the Premier League. And it's
1: a top my, six. Night. My biggest gripe, and I know it's I just, like, I know, are you done with with the City game? Yeah. yeah or you yeah. still more points? Like no, but, no. no. For me, and I mentioned it slightly to you, I didn't go too much in detail, but what, what what angers me is that if you look at Arsenal's team, go to prior Wenger era, you look at Wenger era, Invincibles, you move on from there, you got to wonder how does a team of that quality, of that stature, and you know, not, not like these Vieira and go war on massive voyages, But how does players of that stature, Perez, Vieira, Ljungberg, all of them, you know, eventually leave? But how do you not get replacements for them or allow the club still to grow from strength to strength to strength to strength from that? Because it's so sad to see what Arsenal has become because of not building properly on on things. Because, I mean, you had a world-class team who were beating giants in in Europe, and we were a giant ourselves, but it's like, we just went from, like, declined over the years, you look at Aubameyang coming to Arsenal when he did, I mean, surely they could have signed him the same period they signed Sanchez and Ozil, I mean, a few seasons at Dortmund, you bring him in afterwards and say, okay, you're going to lead the line and Giroud can, can be your second fiddle or you guys can alternate, but it seems like Arsenal just don't have any succession plan and it showed once Wenger was in charge, and once he left, I mean, Arsenal look like a joke at the moment. No, not trying to rant anything, but like compared to what they once were. And it's like, how do you rebuild this? Where do you start?
0: I mean, my biggest gripe was I think the club, you know, as much as they promised everything, because look, if you think of the sort of promises that Gazides and them were making about, you know, like over the next five years after the move to the Emirates we'll be able to compete with the Barcelona's, the Real Madrid's, and, and Bayern Munich's. And I don't see anything like it. And I just think for any way for us to actually go forward, and I know I'm harping on this quite a lot over weeks and that, but I still think if we want to really go forward as a club, there has to be a massive overall from top to bottom. I mean, even if it, it means, say, staying crooked and selling off the club or whatever, and rather giving it, you know, selling it to somebody, that it, that's as, almost like football at art that will see to whether they, you know, bring in the best, because it's no use you bring in, say, the Raul Salneges and, and things like that, or say Edu even, uh, but uh, of course I don't want to throw Edu under the bus here. But if you want to run a, a, a top football club, you need the best of everything, whether you like it or hate it, because I just think between board CEOs and, and um, managerial or coaching, head coach, there is a big gulf and I think that that is where you see how Chelsea are getting things done. You see how things are done at Liverpool right now, which was now done, say, prior to the Klopp era. And and also, like, the way City get things done. If they want something, they go get him. It. It's not like bickering and whatever ever overpriced. At, we had a stage in football where there's so much money being thrown around, then why not go get the best when you can? Because now it's like every time what, what I notice what the club is doing and it, it's now gone even past like the Sully so even prior to Salni being appointed. It's like we're always having a type of CEO that's trying to do more cost cutting than making us competitive. And I think that is where the other CEOs of the other clubs, that is where they are taking it to the next level.
1: Yeah, it's we we're falling sorely behind with yeah. with um behind the curve with the with other clubs. I mean you know, it's, it's 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 quite shocking that, uh, like, Sheffield United and Wolves are sitting where they are, and, and we battling to to find our way back into the top six, even let alone top four. I mean, have, have we fallen that far behind? And like I said, you know, you don't want to point fingers, but it started with um, the the top structure. I mean. Yeah, you mentioned to me that Guardiola and club were interested in the role at Arsenal at one stage, but you know they just were too loyal to Wenger because Wenger was so-called, you know, helped him to get where they were. But I mean, look at look at look at this coach, those two coaches, to the teams they took over. Liverpool were by not by far uh, from a from a title-winning side or a Champions League-winning side, but. Look at the difference the coach can do, and spending your budget properly. I mean, Sadio Mane. I I laughed at it first, to be honest. When they said they signed Sadio Mane for 30 million from Southampton, you know, you're thinking why they like you know they're spending 30 million on a player from the Premier League from Southampton. But look what he does. We spend 70 million on a player. And look at the outcome. Then they went to go sign Salah the next season. Then they went to go get Van Dijk. Then they went to get Allison. So it's like they had their plans and they went on. Their scouts are probably way ahead of everybody, really watching, saying, "Okay, we need to plug that gap. This is who we're gonna go for." What is Arsenal doing to that? We need centre backs, but we signed Pepe. But you know what? What we're not, you know, this
0: whole thing that we're not talking about with the club and that. I just think look, when when that. Stadium move came about. All Arsenal fans were on the same, you know, on the same level. We, we, we were all in agreement that yes, it's going to be tough going from thirty eight thousand stadium to a sixty one thousand all seater. where, look, it's going to be the, the debt stadium debt is going to now cost something. And, and since we have now owned it, it wants to be almost a like self sustaining model. The club was going to have to foot the ball. Arsenal Football Club. And then, look, we, we lost all these fantastic players that we had. Some that were coming in that looked like they, you know, were just about to eat their prime and, and a, a super period for Arsenal, even in the new stadium. All of a sudden, the stadium debt c- comes around. It's also growing. We start losing all our players, like, you know, because look what Nasri ended up being at City, what our Sanya and, and Clichy and Kolator and them all. And even that little spell that Adebayo had, that sort of period, they were now taking us, it was like, it was like stripping us bare. And yeah. then everybody was like just leaving us. And this is where, for me, the club also let the fans down big time because you can't tell me between now and, and, and uh, what was it, four or five years ago, where that stadium debt was now just about you know, paid off and other money can be pumped in. And now all of a sudden, yeah, we be we doing, we're paying this in installments and that. And how much does the interest not work if you, you're not buying a, a player flat out? Because
1: yeah, we used to make part, fun of Barcelona doing that.
0: Yeah, and now we've gone to a point where, uh, like, the money we are always trying to, you know, count every little penny. But I mean, everybody wants to be earning so and so much. Everybody wants to drive this fabulous car. The stadium gets, you know, the, the club wants to maybe big it up online and stuff like that. But I mean, at the end of the day. If we are not going to pull our fingers out, we are going to be a club that's, you know, dangling between eighth and twelfth every season.
1: Yeah, it's, it's it's a scary thought. I mean, we, we're not signing the players we need, do we not? You know, Mesut Özil—he's a three hundred pound per week player, three hundred thousand pound per week player, three fifty whatever average on currently. But why is he not making an impact in the games? Why is he sitting at home? It's...
0: I mean, that, look, that was also now one of my next topic of discussions that we has It's become now again another uh, debacle because you have again, as you said, highest paid player at the club. And now it's like, uh, what did Arteta say after the game? Uh, it, wasn't a, it, it was not more tactical decision. How many times are we going to have this talk? I mean, <laughs> it happened with Wenger. It happened uh, the latter parts of Wenger. It happened now with, with Una Emery. And now it's happening with Mikel Arteta, because why can't they just either call him out for what what is the fault or whatever? But stop with this. It's a tactical decision. If you look at somebody... I mean, I uh, also, in a way, I hate harping on it, but you look at Kevin De Bruyne. That's a guy he can come... He'll play rain or shine, home or away. Whatever you say, or whatever, he will give it his all. And that is a sort of mindset. That's the sort of player that should be in... You know that that model of player should be wearing an Arsenal shirt, and that's the sort of player we should aim to get. Somebody like that who plays with his heart on his sleeve throughout the game. That's why you look at, at say somebody like that, that uh, Grillish guy, or that Madison at Leicester City. These are guys that that give the you know they play their arses off for their team and for the cause, whether their team is flying high or uh, you know or riding low, but they still give their all.
1: But but you gotta look at it and say to yourself also, you know. As much as also like I always get upset the thing, it's like the board's lack of ambition, man. Like that's the that's one of the biggest problems. I mean, you look at Man City, right? You know, the the power. When they got that Roberto Mancini, they won the league, then eventually they won Happy. You know, you bring in um Pellegrini. Also, in the league, then eventually, you know, he gets sacked for Guardiola. He came to come and replace him. But you look at these players that came, the David Silvers, the Aguero's, all of them. I mean, Aguero came as a bargain buy as well to Man City. Like, was it, 50 million or something? But. You you look at it and saying you know, because they're winning stuff season after season, like we used to, you're keeping your key players. I'm sure you could have kept that Robin van Persie, that
0: up too quickly. But look at most of them that, that, you know, the players you just mentioned, how many of them you can't, you could even manage to give them a, a testimonial because they're clocking up almost close to 10 years at the
1: club. Yes. I mean, David Silva, I mean, you know, they're like, yeah, he went for money. He finished career there. Yaya Torre as well. He finished his career at City, basically. Um, Aguero is also looking is going that route. But it's just because they're successful and winning things all the time. You keep players happy. I mean, like I said, we probably would have kept a lot of our guys if we were showing more drive, more ambition from the board, saying, bingo, okay, you know, top four is not good enough. We want maybe a few trophies here and there, but top three or top two or challenge for the title till at least, you know, a month remaining or something like that. But, you know, you would have kept your Van Persis, your Fabregas, your, your Nasri's probably, Um, even was was, was clocking up goals at Arsenal and, you, you you grow your team like that. I mean look at City you have exits and entries coming in, but your 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 Agueros, your Silvers, your Yatories were always there. And then you have Sterling coming in a fresh like you know, pair of legs to play around, these top quality guys. You bring into brain and now it's taking, you know, charge of it. You know, there's no excuse for Arsenal why they couldn't sign these guys because at one stage You know, Aguero was 30 million, Asala is 36 million, Mana is 30 million, but we spent 70 million on Pepe, then we say we don't have money. I'm not saying Pepe couldn't come good, but you could have bought a Premier League ready player that can just slot in, but Arsenal just seems to be spending money in the wrong places. 30 million on Mustafi as well. Yes, he's coming off in a good run of form, but, you know, if you could have used 30 million elsewhere, and Xhaka, for example, Kante was 30 million, we signed Xhaka. So money is there; it's just used incorrectly.
0: Because I think, like, we've got like a group of players, like for the majority, who are they've got this big ego to them. You see them, you know the way they strut almost like they uh, Champions equality. And yet, when you watch them on the field, it's like a team with no ambition and no direction. Because then they look lost when they, you know, when they really have to go toe to toe with what I would call a big dog team. Then you can see how they that, that you know how vulnerable they really are. Because,
1: you know, it's almost like a wake-up call that, you know, you're not all that. Yeah, you see them strutting themselves and stuff after they beat a, you know, disrespect, like to disrespect, like a lower leagues, like, you know, like, what do they call it um, when they flat-track bullies? You know, they'll be strutting at training, making jokes and stuff like that. But, you know, when 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 after they get humbled like this and they, they walk off the pitch with their heads down, it's... It just comes to their minds, the their mentalities. Cut out the errors, you don't, you don't lose this game. And I feel sorry for it Teta, like you said, you know, he, he he made a tactical decision to leave David Lewis out. You forced to bring him in, and I don't know if the guy, <laughs> I mean, we did it on purpose to, to spite Tito. But the mistakes he made was like, you know, ridiculous. But you did also mention how he struggled against Brentford as well.
0: But you know what I didn't get to, so that the especially leading up to the red card. I mean, you can see the danger. I mean, sh- and also, but it's, it's like a, a disease that runs for the old team where there's no communication. Like saying, look, there's a guy going to run for you. This one is... I and mean, it's like you can just <laughs> see the whole thing unfolding like a horror movie. And it's like, dude, watch behind you. There's somebody coming And <laughs> By the time that guys are gone... And I mean, look, Marius is not the quickest. I mean, he, he's... Like, over, like, three or four steps, he, he can't go past you. But if you keep up... I mean, the way uh, David Luiz was, like, literally gas trying to catch up. <laughs> I good? wonder
1: if David Luiz, maybe he didn't have a... You know, during lockdown, maybe he just lost himself, like, in terms of fitness, never kept himself up to shape as he was supposed to because, you know, City came out the traps flying. Like, eventually, and we... Like you said, we seemed gassed like a boxer in uh, the latter rounds. Yeah, the,
0: we had now... You know, going to the game, we had, what, two friendlies arranged. City had only games arranged against the B team and the youth team, and that was it. But, I mean, you can't really call it the game because they were not really pushing themselves to the max. And yet, when they came out against us, it looked like they had, like, what, three or four top games in <laughs> the, uh, the belt already.
1: Yeah, oh, it's another away fixture for us now, next next game. it's Again, it's Brighton we play next.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, it's going to be a challenge as usual because look under uh, that potter that's his coach at brighton he's quite a, a guyly character because as uh, i don't know if you recall he's somebody he was at that, that osterson's that we played in the the europa is one year where he can like he likes playing uh route one football and he likes also playing one touch football so he's always like keeping your guessing so i mean that's not going to be a a Simple game coming up the weekend, and and look, they've got also some players that are quite creative, like on the ball. So, I mean, it's not going to be you know, walk in the park, of course. I think where we would have been way more intimidated was if we played in front of a packed Brighton of Stadium, but I think now with the, with the you know, with the lockdown and and playing in the empty stadium, I think it also is going to you know be a fine balance between the two. But I, you know, my personal take is I think we cancel Egypt.
1: Uh, let's hope so. Yeah. I also thought against City we would enjoy playing against an empty crowd and away from home, but it seemed like maybe Arsenal needed the crowd more than City did. So uh, Brighton always seems to be a tricky away fixture. Um, have we beaten them away from home yet? I think there was I-
0: some weird record where they, they're unbeaten against us. I think in that, what you just mentioned, I think in the... At this stadium, I think
1: they aren't beaten against. Yes, yeah, because they beat us 2-1. I recall when our, when our Birmingham still scored against it, and then last season we threw one all against them. So, you know, it's uh, we need to, as embarrassing as it sounds, we need to end our duck against Brighton. And yeah, I think we only probably managed to beat them once in total. I think in the Premier League, Cause I recall we lost their season and last season we threw. And I think we could have drew or lost. <laughs> that the return leg like, at the Emirates, so it's gonna not gonna be an easy game for us. I wonder what Arteta's gonna do tactically now. You know, he his back line he's, I don't know, he's centre back who who does he play? And I saw I don't know if you listeners saw that joke where they said um, Brighton's gonna peel the red card for David Luiz I mean
0: <laughs> But I mean look now next game for us, I believe, is on the 24th in the league after the Brighton game because I think prior to that it's was it, FA Cup weekend because I think one of the weekends coming up is going to be like an FA Cup weekend where we will now probably face. oh yeah she- Sheffield United yeah it's on 28th of June so
1: you know what, they, 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 that's going to be a tough game and I mean they, they always seem up for it against most big teams that come to their stadium. I just hope, maybe hope that they focus on the the league more than anything, but they actually got robbed quite hectically yesterday. I don't know if you saw oh, well, the, the incident. But oh, it was quite bad. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so I mean, with, with that upcoming game against Brighton, I think it's going to be quite tough if you think of it because from what I have read so far, I think Pablo Maria is probably out for a couple of weeks. I mean, I haven't read now the full injury thing, but it says I am mean, like uh, early July. And the same with Granit Xhaka, because I think it is an ankle twist. And I think I don't think you really want to, you know, put that much pressure on it in, with its training or in an actual match. So I think the squad will have to be, you know, evenly rotated. And especially now with the away games, I mean, I think Arteta needs to also look long and hard at that team and, and see where he can correct things. Because, look, they really let him down yesterday
1: you just need a bunch of battlers in the midfield to try to sort that issue out. I mean, you can't go there playing four-four-two. I just think now it's about grinding out the points. Maybe try to get a team that's going to try to eat Brighton on the counter. I know Brighton will probably, you know, look to play that game with us, so maybe we need to come there and try to eat them on the counter. attack. Yeah, I think
0: it's going to be a case of, you know, us taking the, the advantage. Because, I mean, I just hope Torreira has foot. Because, look, t- I don't know how long there's nothing in really, when I just checked on the sports app there's nothing really of, about his uh, injury situation but I mean I just hope he gets a clean pull of health and he can play because I think it should be a game that's all set up for him at Brighton.
1: Yeah, like nice craft with tough and you know, maybe Arim Laka's like head will come back into the side and if a Martinelli or at least Nelson will get the nod as well.
0: I think in attack I think we do need some sort of uh, you know, other sort of option because I just think we played almost like too much within ourselves, being so scared of City. Where I think, you know, you need to let somebody like reason Nelson and Pepe loose down the wings and maybe even spearhead Aubameyang down the middle.
1: Maybe it was a, a bit of a, you know, a, not, a, a, it was a maybe a bad thing that um, Arteta knew Guardiola and the City team so well. It's almost like he played within himself because he knew the damage that they could cause if unleashed. So... You know, maybe this will be better moving forward, where he doesn't know as much of a team as he did with um, of Man City.
0: Yeah. So with that, we end of the podcast. Hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. Take care, guys. Bye.
1: Enjoy guys the football this weekend.